This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman, and if this is your first time joining us, just a very special welcome to you. Maybe as you were scrolling through and and looking on social media that you saw the title of today's sermon, Eight Things God Cannot Do, and you were intrigued. You were like, you know what, I can probably count up more than eight things that God can't do right now in my marriage, in my family, as I look at the world. And I'll be honest, there was a time in my life where I was doing the exact same thing. I didn't believe that God could heal me. I didn't believe that he loved me. I didn't believe that he could work and move in my situations. And so that's why I believe God gave me this sermon title today, this word that I'm excited to share with you. So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at the things that God cannot do. And I bet when we're all done, you're going to be very surprised just like I was. But before we get started today, we're going to open with prayer and then dive right into a video describing these eight things. So if you would bow your head, let's start with prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to come together as your children, Lord, and worship you. That we can come to you with our requests, with our things that we don't understand, with our lack of knowledge, with the lack that we experience every day, and that we can ask you, Lord, for your peace and your healing and your deliverance and your wisdom. And we just ask you for those things today, Lord. And I think specifically about the people that are crying out all over the world, the people that are struggling with COVID, the people that are struggling with mandates and restrictions and losses, the people that are struggling in Afghanistan, Lord, as they are being persecuted and killed. And I know that their outcry and their, and their sadness and their frustration and their fear is coming up to your ears, Lord. And so we lift them up to you today. We ask for your peace. We ask for wisdom in the situation. We ask that you will walk closely with them, Lord. I pray for all of the people throughout the world whose paths are in the, in the path of storms and hurricanes and those who have lost everything. I pray against the many who are operating day in and day out without any regard for your creation. Those who are created in your image, Lord, that are suffering under sex trafficking and violence and mindless bloodshed. I pray for Mexico and their recent earthquake and their recent legislation about abortion, Lord. And I just pray that you will give that country peace and wisdom on how to navigate the the days ahead. And we pray corporately against the work of the enemy and know that you are greater and help our prayers come into alignment, Lord, and let us fight together. We just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to worship you, and we love you, and we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at this video. So were you surprised? Did you think it was false advertising, perhaps? 
eight things that God cannot do? Well, that's why we're talking about this today, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are believing the lies from the enemy, believing that God is not in control, that God is incapable, that God can't do certain things. And that's why we're seeing the way the world is coming together right now. This is why they're struggling in their marriage or why they're struggling with health issues, because there's something that God cannot do. Well, that, my friends, is a misconception from the enemy, a lie that we are believing. And that's why we're going to break down those things today. We're going to talk about those eight things that God cannot do and understand each one and renew our mind with God's truth. So let's look at number one. God cannot break a promise. Psalm 89:34. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Emphasis on all generations. That means all the generations that have come down the line from Abraham. All of them. That means us. That means our brothers and sisters, all generations. And so while doing some research, I came across this information from an Everett Storms. Everett was a school teacher in Canada who made a detailed study of promises as we're, as we're looking at promises. And Mr. Storm came up with 8,810 promises of which 7,487 of them were promises that God was making to humankind, to all of us. And, and so while we don't know the exact number of promises that, that God tells us in the Bible, we can be assured of his word when we read Isaiah 55:11. So my word be which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent. God does not break promises. And when he speaks to us through his word, it does not come back to us void. So we can be assured that what God is telling us in his, in his word to us, in his love letter to us, our GPS, our true north, the Bible, that he will not break one of those promises and that all of those promises are for us to have. And so what are some of God's promises? God promises to give um, strength to us. God, God promises to give us rest. God promises to take care of all of our needs. God promises to be with us. And, and God promises us freedom from sin. So if there's something in your life right now where you're feeling that God has broken a promise to you, my friends, that is a lie. God does not break a promise. Number two, God cannot change. And that video showed the uh, Malachi 3, 6 as the verse. For I am the Lord, I change not. So the, the question is, why do we question God? Why do we think that he changes as our situation changes? We have to remember that we're living in a broken world. We're living with broken people, that we're human, that we're making decisions a lot of times in our flesh, not in the spirit, not discerning what God is trying to tell us, not reading his word and, and letting that be our truth. So we're operating every day in our flesh 
around other broken people in a broken world and our situation is constantly changing based on feelings, emotions, what other people are doing, how the world is, is moving. And so instead of thinking in that moment that it's the, the world, it's the enemy, it's our flesh, we immediately think, well, this is God. God is somehow changing the situation. God is somehow not faithful. God is somehow breaking a promise to me. We have to recognize that God cannot change and that he is very faithful and, and always working and always moving and is not changing. We have to remember that, that we live in a broken world and that the enemy is trying to work and move before Jesus returns. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing the instability of the world right now. You're seeing so many things happening all at once. The enemy is working and moving and knows that his window of opportunity before Jesus returns is closing. The earth is groaning, but remember God cannot change. So we have to remember, number three, God's power cannot be stopped. Daniel 4.35 No one can hold him back or say to him, what have you done? Job, who was being tested and under trial, and you read his story in the book of Job, could set aside everything that was happening to him and how the enemy was working and yet still acknowledge that God's power cannot be stopped. And we read that in Job 26, 7 through 14. So I want to read that right now. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizons when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. His spirit made the heavens beautiful and his power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? Some people have equated their situation with Job, right? They, they can feel what's happening and, and they've lost loved ones and they've lost friends and they've lost security and they've lost their home and yet in that moment have they been able to rise above what was happening in that situation and still declare the beautiful words that Job did about God and his power. We can't always do that but that should be our goal. Our goal should be able to look at what's happening in the world and believe that God is still faithful even though the consequences of this fallen world have caught up with us. And that, that man itself no longer wants to follow God's rules. There's a portion of man out there that just wants to do whatever they want to do 
and they want that power. They want, they want that, uh, that love of money and flesh and all of those things. They want their fleshly desires. They want their power. And you're seeing that exhibited every day throughout the world. We have to look and see what God has already done, what he's already been faithful at and what his word says and what he is doing right now. And we have to know without a shadow of a doubt that his power cannot be stopped. Number four, God's church cannot be destroyed. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Those are pretty powerful words from Jesus. And Jesus didn't say that people won't try. He, he never told Peter that people, people won't try to overcome the church. Because as we see that today throughout the world, we're seeing the persecution of the church. We're seeing and reading and hearing about fellow believers that are dying for their faith. Christians that are being killed by other men who, who don't want their faith to come out, who don't want to see them live out their faith each day. But what Jesus did say was he said the gates of hell will not win. And as we look at our situations throughout the world, we can get discouraged, we can lose hope, but we have to remember that God's church cannot be destroyed and that we have a greater responsibility to lift up our fellow believers in prayer and fight in the spirit and, and give them over to God and ask them, ask God for peace, and protection and provision in these hard moments. Number five, God cannot be pleased without faith. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's talk about that for a second. We read in James, James 2, 19. He says, you believe that God is one. You do well believing that. The demons also believe and they shudder. So when we're looking at the difference between believing in God and who he is, James is asking them to step one step closer and not just believe, but also have faith. James is showcasing the difference between mental agreement, believing that God is a God, and the genuine saving faith. It seems people were claiming that in his time because they believed in the God of Moses and they could recite Deuteronomy 6.4. They could all recite it and they could say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And because they could recite that, they believed that they were right with God. But James shatters that false hope by comparing that kind of belief to the knowledge held by Satan and his demons because the Bible says that the demons even believe in God. 
So if the demons even believe in God and yet they're running around and they're showing their patriotism to, to the devil and they're wreaking havoc and they're hurting all these people, he's saying that Satan's minions are more aware of God's reality than what most people are. And yet the demons are not right with God. The demons believe some things that are true about God. They know he's real, he's powerful, etc. But their theological soundness cannot be called faith. There's no salvation for the demons, even though they assent to the truth that there is one God, which means that there is no salvation for us if we're just believing in God, but we're not having faith. You can't just say you believe, you need to have faith and desire that kind of relationship with God to walk with him every day, to do his, his will, to believe his truth, to believe in his son Jesus who he sent to save us from our sins. You can't just believe. And number five is saying God cannot be pleased without faith. I would encourage you today that if you're struggling with this, if you're walking around saying, I believe in God, but you're not stepping it out, you're not, you're not showing that you're a believer every day, I would encourage you to look deep to evaluate your relationship with God because we are living in uncertain times. We are living in the last days. As we, as we look at the world, as we see what's happening, as we, as we watch things unfold, this is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that all these things will happen and then Jesus will return. So if, if you're questioning your relationship with God, there is no better time than right now to make sure that you are right with God, that you believe in him, that you believe in Jesus, his son, and that you are stepping out in faith. That's so, so important. Number six, God cannot lie. Hebrews 6, 18. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did that so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. What's an example of an oath or a covenant that God made? So, so God not only said, I will never cover the earth with floodwaters again, he also made a covenant an oath and, and give us a rainbow in the sky to prove that so that every time we see a rainbow, I'm sorry, it does not mean that we're going to have a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow that we can go collect from. No, that's not what a rainbow is. The rainbow is the covenant that God made with his people that he would never send floodwaters to cover the earth again. It's two ways that he's confirming his promises to us. Not only does he say it, but he also shows it. God cannot lie. And the enemy, the devil, wants us to believe and is always asking us these questions, sitting here on our shoulders saying, but did God really say? Did God really say that he was going to heal you? 
Does God's word really say somewhere in there that he's going to help you find a job? Did God really say that he's going to help you with your marriage? Because come on, your marriage is really struggling right now. The enemy is constantly lying to us, making us believe the lie. And, and, and he's constantly saying to us that God is somehow lying to us, that God is somehow not able to, to, to keep his truth with us, that he doesn't have plans and a purpose for our lives, that he doesn't love us, that he didn't really send Jesus to die for us, that not all of our sins are forgiven. He's constantly making us question. And we have to get to the point in our walk that we're not going to believe the lies anymore. We're going to believe that God cannot lie and that he has proven himself time and time again, that he's faithful, that he's true, that his promises are true, that his word is true. Where do you believe in your life right now that that somehow God is lying to you? Where do you believe that somehow God is not keeping his word? I can promise you that the lying is coming from the enemy. And there were several years, 17 years to be exact, that I was believing the lies. I was believing that God couldn't heal me. I was believing that God didn't love me. I was believing that God did not care about my family. And as I believed every single lie, that built up a bigger and bigger barrier between me and God until I was so far away from him and I was so distant from him and I was so discouraged and I was so depressed that the only thing I could think that was a rational thing to do was to take my life. How irrational is that? God gave me life. God created me in his image. God has a plan and a purpose for my life and loves me and sent his son to die on the cross for me just like he did for you. And the last thing that God would want you to do was to take your own life. But the devil, the devil doesn't want us here. The devil doesn't want us to be sharing with other people. He doesn't want us loving other people. He doesn't want our families sound and, and put together and, and confident in, in the family core so that we can sharpen our kids like arrows and send them out into the world to, to grow God's kingdom. The devil doesn't want any of those things. So he works at destroying the family and, and destroying relationships and destroying the very foundation that we have that we're building on. But when does it come to a point where we say, no more, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to listen to your lies and I'm not going to believe that God is lying to me. My friends, we have to get to that point. We have to stand up, wake up and believe the lies that we are hearing every day throughout the world, throughout social media, throughout, you know, the news, everything, ways that the enemy is trying to get us to believe the lies. God cannot lie, and you need to remember that today. Number seven, God's word cannot be broken. John 10, 35. This is from the King James Version. I'm going to read a few verses before so that you understand the context. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This is Jesus. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of those works are you stoning me? 
Then Jesus, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not. We're not stoning you for your good works, but for blasphemy. But because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus was telling them that he was God's son. And so they were accusing him of blasphemy and were holding stones and ready to stone Jesus. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Jesus is saying that the verses he quoted could not be dismissed as error. They could not be written off as a mistake because these Jews were, were quoting scripture to him and he was saying, no, these God's word cannot be broken. I'm telling you that I am the son of God, that I've been sanctified and sent into the world and I'm not blaspheming against you. If you don't believe me, believe the works of the father. And, and people could not believe the works that Jesus was doing. He was healing, he was saving, raising people from the dead. And so Jesus was saying, God's word cannot be broken. God's word cannot be dismissed. And there is no error and there is no mistake. I am he. And if you don't believe me, believe the works that I am doing of the Father. Faith in action is stepping out and believing what God says, putting feet to it. Jesus wasn't just saying he was God and God's son. He was showing them. And so this is just another illustration that it's not just by what we say, but also by what we do. And we have to remember that God's word cannot be broken not just in, in words, but in action. And that's so important for us to be stepping out in faith and not just listening to God's word, but doing what it says. And finally, number eight, God cannot stop loving you. Jeremiah 31, three. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. That's one of the things that the devil tries to tell us each day is that we're not loved. We're not loved by God. We're not loved by our spouses. We're not loved by our children. We're certainly not loved by our friends. We're not loved by our family. We're, we're not qualified. There's no way that someone could love us because we're either not good enough or we've done too many things wrong or we're not pretty enough or the whole laundry list of things that the devil is trying to tell you as to why you are not loved. And we can get caught up in that 
we can get caught up in comparing ourselves with other people and caught up in the brokenness of this world and caught up in in the things that we've done wrong and just believe the enemy and believe his lies and believe that there's no way God could possibly love us with all the things that we've done. And I'll admit that I've had those thoughts. And then after I've had those thoughts, I've had to rebuke those thoughts because those are the enemy trying to tell me that God doesn't love me. And that's a lie. And God cannot lie. God does love us. And he proved that. And for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, the verse that we memorize in Sunday school and the verse that we put on our wall in our, in our home. And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life is not a verse that you just put on your screensaver or that you put on your kitchen wall or that you memorize in Sunday school. This is God's truth. This is what really happened. He does love us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for our sins. And we somehow take this lightly. We somehow believe the lies of the enemy because that negative junk seems to be easier to digest than the truth that God is telling us and showing us and giving us every single day. And I haven't quite figured that out yet. Other than that's just being in this broken world. That's just one of the things that happens. In the brokenness, in the sin, it's just easier to believe the negative. It's easier to believe the lie than to believe that someone could really love us that much. And my friends, he does. He loves us so much. And he's, he's working He's working on restoring us back to himself. God is a God of order and he has put things in motion so many years ago that we have to wait it out. We have to wait for the whole plan to come together because he is a God of order and he has spelled it out in his word. All the things that were going to take place before Jesus returns and we're so close. But yeah, the world is not going to get better. The, the world is not going to get easier. The world is going to get harder and there are going to be more and more things that are happening. The world is going to continue to groan before Jesus' return. And we have to, have to, have to remain faithful. We have to believe God's truth. We have to believe that God can do anything. And that all of these eight things that we've looked at today are, are confirmation that God is who he says he is, that he loves us, that he's powerful, that his yes is yes. And we have to believe that because the harder it gets to live in this world, the more lies are going to come our way from all sources. The enemy is working through any way he can to get us a lie that we can believe and grab onto so that we're filled with fear, we're filled with doubt, we're filled with insecurity, we're filled with this wrong truth. So, what are we going to believe? Are we truly going to believe that there are things that God cannot do in this negative way and that's why you're struggling? That's why the world is the way that it is? Or are we going to believe in what we talked about today, that there is nothing that God 
can't do. He is the God of the impossible, that he loves us, that he sent his son to die for us, and that Jesus is coming again to take us home. That is a promise that God is keeping. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to believe? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are exactly who you say you are. And Lord, we just come to you and we ask for your forgiveness, for believing the lies, for believing the enemy, for believing that there are things that you don't do, that you can't do, that you're just not big enough to do. And so help us in our unbelief. Help us as we navigate this daily living in this broken world to stand on your promises, to believe in your truth, to believe that you are greater than he who is in the world. Help us to have the kind of faith that we need to walk each day. And I just pray for each person listening, each person watching right now, whatever their need is, wherever they are at, that you will meet them exactly where they are, that you will wrap your arms around them and you will let them know how much you love them. Let them just rest in that today, Lord. Let your peace wash over them as they get ready to start this new week. Walk with them, Lord. Help them. We're so grateful for who you are, and we, we worship you and praise you and we thank you. And we just ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus who saves. Amen. I want to leave you with a blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.